Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Roscoe here, your co-host. You can hear the birds tweeting in the background. It can only mean one thing, that uh, Jamie Glazier is back up in the bird haven of Queensland, Corumbum, where they've got the Corumbum Bird Sanctuary. You can hear them all cheeping in the background. Jamie, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. Thanks, mate. Um, yeah, flew back in. I was in Melbourne for 12 days, which was lovely, and now back home, and uh yeah, the birds are a little bit noisy this morning. It's great to see you down here. Did you enjoy coming back uh, to Melbourne? It was not your first. I did. Yeah? I did. It was a pretty hectic 12 days, I must say. It, uh, I think there was a bit more, I would have liked a bit more downtime, but, uh, you know, we crammed it into 12 days, catching up with family and friends, getting some work in. So, but uh, it was beautiful. I was lucky enough to spend some time staying in the city and uh, exploring Melbourne again, which I absolutely love Melbourne uh, city area. The CBD is just probably our, our favourite city in the world, so um, it was great. Well, it's great to have you back. You did some work down at Royal, I saw. Yes, I did some work down at Royal. I had three days there with clients and members, and that was that was really good. I had a pretty full book there, which was nice, so it was good to catch up with everyone. And, um, no, it was, was, was fantastic to be back with the crew. Now, I saw you had some clients from that we know from the Inside Golf Academy coming down to visit. Yes, we did. It was great. We had... Um, uh, Dan, uh, Dan Maudsley. We had a, a couple of uh, a couple of, of the Insight members come down for a one on one, which was fantastic. Um, it's just good to to get them to have a bit of a face to face, hands on, and, and take things to to another level, which was which was fantastic. So um, I really enjoyed catching up with everyone there, and yeah, I think it seems like it might be a little bit of a Royal Melbourne themed podcast today well, well, uh, but I, um i was going somewhere i was going somewhere with uh with that lean in there and yes if you're wondering what we are talking about today well we have a returning guest and returning guest with good reason it's uh brenton ford if you've listened to i'm not sure how many episodes ago we had brenton on maybe three or four but uh you know he was being kind enough to join us a couple of times uh join you on the instagram live which you can find on your instagram uh, feed there uh, for the IGTV, and I guess there's a, a recurring theme here, and that's Brenton's participation. But the theme is, you know, his growth in golf. And when we talk about Royal Melbourne as a theme of today's podcast, you know, Brenton's had a pretty special experience at Royal Melbourne last weekend. And you know, to to us, it encapsulates you know his learning and development as he's progressed through Insight Golf. But you know, as a golfer, and you know, it's great to share great stories, and and that's what we're going to do today. So, Brenton Ford, welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. How are you? G'day, gents. Going well. Thanks for having me. Not your first radio on a podcast. You've been on this one a number of times and many others. Um, how's how's life treating you in, in, in the golfing sense? Mate, life is good. It's uh, been a pretty good adjustment back to Melbourne. I've enjoyed coming back and playing golf in here, and I've, I've probably lived one of the one of my dreams over the weekend, and uh, well, multiple dreams actually. So yeah, it's uh, golf golf's on fire at the moment. <laughs> well, that dream is the achievement of a hole in one. Correct. Correct. First ever. Your first ever, and not an insignificant place to have your first ever hole in one. Uh, 
talk us through uh, where you, what you were doing. Yeah, not too sure how many people know the golf course, but there's um, just in Charlton, there's a course called Royal Melbourne. Um, and yeah, it's probably been top of my my list being a Victorian and, and, and a golf fan. Um, I've been playing maybe six years now. Oh, it's actually just coming up on six years. And um, it's always been on the list and, and luckily got a text on Thursday night saying, um, what am I doing on Sunday? And, and got, the, got the Guernsey, got a T-spot um, through a friend at Spring Valley. And uh, rolled up to Royal Melbourne. We got to play the East Course, um, which I found now is actually the harder course because it it absolutely taught me a new one. Um, but <laughs> it also rewarded me in, in in making my first hole one and at Royal Melbourne, which was just yeah unbelievable. We'll, we'll talk we'll talk through that a little bit more uh, as you go through um, some of the round and and that you know taught you a new one. But you know there's obviously some highs and lows, and I concur. You know I've only played East a few times, and definitely for me I. I find it more challenging than the West in, in many parts. But, you know, that's open to interpretation and opinion. You know, you are one of our more uh, prevalent uh, participants in the Insight Golf Academy. You know, you've been on the journey right from the start. You know, you got involved in the mental game must-do's course, the free course. Then, you know, you've been a paid particip- participant in uh, both the pre-round uh, routine and also the, pre, the art of the pre-shot routine course. You know, we appreciate that and we thank you for, you know, your participation in that if you reflect on that part of your learning, how, how is that going for you and how have you been able to embrace that and impart that into your golf, do you think? I definitely think there's probably sort of at least sort of three big keys. And again, the pre-round one was was a huge one um, because I'd build up to the competition round during the week, get the hopes up um, and get nervous before a round of golf. Um, if I didn't do my warm-up properly, I'd be, you know, freaking out or, or didn't hit it well in the range, that kind of thing. Just a, a whole sort of build up of anticipation before the round and and then managing expectations by that. By if you're sitting there on Wednesday hoping for 36 or 40 or putting pressure on dropping your handicap, all those things built up for me during the week and would put a lot of pressure on around a goal. So going through that program and, and learning the most important thing was probably expectation management and then using some of the some of the data and stats that are available to know that like less than five percent of the time you're gonna break your handicap. Like that kind of thing instantly was like a huge weight off your shoulders. Expectations change. You can also change your target throughout the round and be like, I'm here today to just to commit to hitting my target, just to commit to an external swing thought. Uh, sorry, an external thought or a, a course management strategy or, or just a hole just to be able to go, I'm not going to double this hole. Or I'm not, I'm, I'm going to get off the tee and, and just play safe on this hole. So that stuff was, that was a massive start and that got my golf in a position where I could um, enjoy it a lot more, not worry about the build up, just go there and have fun and focus on the smaller things. Um, and then recently doing the pre-shot routine, after the IG live, we had a chat. Uh, oh, sorry, we had a chat on the IG live, and I hadn't done the course yet. And then recently completed the course, maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, and again, just probably the one thing that I've been using the most is is a um, having an anchor or a, a starting point for my focus, and then turning my focus off. So I, I put the glove on, which was really interesting when I heard this on the course. But putting the glove on, starting that starts my routine, starts my focus go through everything, hit the shot, gloves off, don't think about golf. Look around, enjoy the scenery, talk to my playing partners, listen to the birds, feel the wind, do whatever you want to do until you get to the ball. Everyone else plays their shot or wherever you are in the, in the backing order and then you get to your next shot, glove on, focus on. And doing that means I've just felt a lot more 
I guess, fresh, but also committed to the shot because I'm not getting tired mentally towards the end of the round. So, For me, for me, just listening to you talk like that and go through those things, you know, like it's an absolute guaranteed qualification that you've you've learned something, you've done it because, you know, just the way that you're hearing hearing you feedback those processes and all of those little things, you know, and we talked a little bit offline there before about how much you remember, but you now you realise that, uh, you, you know, you've taken on the learning. But just to hear you recall it like that and you're not reading from notes or anything, um, to me, signifies that you've taken a fair bit on board and now it's become just part of the next level of, you know, your your golf. Jamie, what, what do you think when you, you know, and get involved in this and, and hear this and see this and be part of it? Yeah, I, I think this is the great thing about the courses is there's a, a lot of content there. Now, the reason that I try and put in as much content as I can in a course is so that if I was to get 100 golfers to sign up to it, hopefully all 100 of them would take one, two or three things from that course that's applicable to them. And I think that's a great thing about what Brenton's done is there's a couple of really big keys there that he's taken from the courses and simplified them in their approach um, and practically applied them. And, you know, for me, two things that when whenever we can uh, help a, a club-level golfer take the weight off their shoulders, whatever that is, whatever that means, that's a positive benefit all around, not just for them personally, not just for, for, for them as a golfer, but also for the game of golf in general because he's going to be a much better person within the game of golf. You know, we, we see stressful golfers all over the place and sometimes stressful golfers aren't the nicest people to spend four and a half hours with. So just being able to really help um, help someone take that weight off their shoulders, enjoy their golfing experience, that's the first step for me. Then if they can actually improve their performance as well, that's the bonus. Now, you know, I know that if people commit to the processes like Brenton has, they're going to achieve both of those things. And it's, it's just been fantastic to see Brenton take his game to another level and then really on Sunday live out my dream. You know, I've been playing the goal, the, the game for 27 years, never had a hole in one. And, uh, you know, when when I saw his story on Sunday uh, on his Instagram account, I was just like, man, I was so chuffed for him. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. Awesome. So, Brenton, when you got the call up on Thursday and said, look, Sunday we're on Royal Melbourne East, just turn up on time, mate, you'll be right. Don't wear the, the black socks and the white shoes or whatever looks, you know, the requisite dress regs are that you have to adhere to. Um, not that it would be, in it, uh, you know, you've got the finest, finest accoutrements of golfing gear being a Cobra Puma guy. Um, what was their anticipation? Was there n- nerves? What, what does that feel like for you? You know, describe that for someone going to Royal Melbourne for the first time, because, you know, for those of us that have been lucky enough to, you know, I probably have a couple of friends that are members and maybe get a yearly yearly invite and that's about it and, and whatever else. And Jamie's there, you know, quite a lot for work, so he's seen it in depth and in, in detail. Um, but what what was it like for you? Yeah, definitely some anticipation and nerves. I mean, it's, like I said, it's been one of the top of my list for for the whole time I've played golf, um, which, again, is only not that long and not long compared to Jamie, but it's, it's been top of the list. And, and so the nerves and sort of anticipation throughout the week, again, it's only a few days, but it was still like that morning. It wasn't until an 11:50 tea time. So um, it was like, there was the, some anticipation in the morning and what I'm going to do for the day and, and how it's all going to go. And, and I'm, you know, a bit of a, bit of a golf nut. So I was looking at, you know, flyovers and things like that during the week as you do. Um, 
and imagining what I'm going to play. And and I've recently been looking at some um, some decade golf stuff. So I was looking, you know, looking at the tee shots and things like that, planning some of the round, which is just something I've been doing recently, which has helped a lot. Um, but the yeah, so I got up, did a did a workout in the morning, did some stretches and stuff, made sure I got there nice and early. And I think one of the sort of first memories I have of the day was actually driving there and turning onto that road and being like, I'm not, I've, you know, I've played Sandy Leaks a couple of times and drive past there and look at that driveway to go into Royal Melbourne. I was like, well, today is actually the day I get to go in there, which was really cool. Um, and I remember smiling like a five-year-old on Christmas morning and, um, and getting in there, yeah, relatively early, my normal sort of hour, um, hour before my tea time. I think I got there about 10.30, so a little bit extra um, to try and get used to those greens because I've heard they're pretty insane. Um, and, yeah, I got there and, and, yeah, there was definitely a, a special feeling driving into that golf course. And, and the only time I'd been there before was to, to walk around the President's Cup. So I was looking forward to seeing some of the holes that I remember the pros playing as well. And, and how did the round kick off? Uh, pretty well. So, yeah, uh, got up to, we played obviously east. So the first hole, um, like 300 metre, actually blowing down breeze, which was, it was a, it was a breezy day. There was definitely sort of a two club breeze for most of the, most of the day, maybe the last four or five holes it dropped off a little. Um, and started, started with chief, just thought, give it a go. Um, and been driving it well the last probably three or four weeks. So really confident with my driver and, and put it, yeah, about six feet off the left edge of the green over the back um, and a cheeky little two-putt birdie start. And always, we have a joke with my mates in Queensland. I used to play up there at uh, Brizzy Golf Club, but the first hole there is like a 410-metre par five downhill. Like, it's a ridiculous par five. Um, and we always had a joke because it was such an easy hole, but we tend to have a bad round when you birdie the first. <laughs> so it was like, yeah, you either get there and make an eagle or a par. Um, and it was always a joke that, you know, you never birdie the first or your round's cooked. So um, next hole, actually next shot, lost ball. So tripled the next. So it was a, <laughs> a little welcome start to Royal Melbourne. It's so funny because that, that first hole is is quite a nice start and then you get the second. Even the third's not easy, the fourth's not easy, the fifth's not easy, the sixth's not easy. It's like welcome to the East Course because it's um, the first is like it's just – it, it, it's just too gentle of a start. Um, but, yeah, the East Course is such a great course and I, I perceive for myself anyway a lot a lot more challenging a course than the West Course. I feel like I can breathe around the West Course where the East Course is like you're always just tiptoeing around it and, uh, you know, there's trouble, you know, anywhere you go. So um, it's, it's such a stunning course. So um, I think once I got on the golf course, like I wasn't, Surprisingly, a lot less nervous than I thought. Again, getting away a good t-shirt on the first, but had a good, you know, good amount of time walking around, getting used to the, getting used to the golf course. You know, taking a couple of photos and, and hitting some balls and, and that kind of thing settled me. Um, and then, almost if anything, having a wipe on the second was to a point it almost calmed me down again because it's like you know we're here for fun. It's we're not here to shoot the lights out and break par and all that kind of stuff. It, it might be the day, but. Um, yeah, again, I got a really good story for the third, but that was that was with the breeze. It was a mind blowing hole. Did, I did uh, I did see a little Instagram photo of um, you getting introduced to that tree down the right hand side of three. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, and again, it was really cool. Like talking about the Presidents Cup memories, it was that first hole. I don't remember. I don't know the composite numbers again. I'm not super 
studied up on that side of things. But I remember standing on that tee with the guys from Cobra Puma and we saw Ricky and JT and a few other guys tee off there and, and they all had a crack at the green. Um, and then I remember spending a lot of time actually on three, like down towards that that tree on the left and watching the guys drive it down there. I was actually closer to the green a little bit. And yeah. I just remember all of them, like once I got to playing that hole, I just remember all of them like unbelievably accurate putting it between those, like that really narrow bit of fairway down the bottom there. Um, but yeah, I've hit, hit five wood off the tee. Um, yeah. Just trying to be short of that tree on the left. That was the target uh, wind off the left and just got it a tiny bit healy and it, it just fit into the right stuff and got down there, had a quick look and yeah, literally yeah, dead behind the tree. It was no good chip out um, and just actually didn't quite make it to the fairway with a chip out. And then yeah, I only had a, a pitching wedge in, I think it was like 120, but wind out of the left and the pin was right back right on that shelf. Yeah. yeah. And saw my mate approach from behind me and he's hit the front of the green and disappeared straight over the back. And I was like, oh God, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> out of the rough as well. It was going to be yeah. fun. But um, yeah, couldn't have pitched it any more perfect front of the green and saw it catch that slope. And I'm like, here we go. This is going to be great. And just continued over the back, gone like yeah. almost, almost under the tree. I was like, how do you hold that green? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Like again, it's hard and fast golf. Something I've never played before, so it yeah. was so tricky to be like, I have to land this, you know, five short of the green, but there's undulations there, or there's a bunker on the left. It's like, yeah, yeah it's, it's really, really difficult. It was a good introduction. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty about the design. You know, um, trying to hit it down that left side so that you've got that that sort of pathway into the into the green. It's it's just absolutely love the East Course. Um, so, but yeah, as you say, I mean, talking about firm greens and that sort of stuff, then you go over to, you go over to five on the other side of the road, that first hole, the short one. And I remember the master of the amateurs here a few years ago, I saw some of the best amateurs in the world couldn't hold the green from 70 meters out. Like wow. it was just, they were just playing the wrong shot, but the right shot is, you know, land it five yards short and, and just let it run up there and, uh, now they're pitching a ten yard short of the pin, and it's just just heading over the back. So it's um, it's a different style style of golf, that's for sure. That's so yeah, sure. it was it was a difficult start. The birdie, and then I wiped the first three, so or the next three. So it was um, yeah. it was a good introduction. Um, and and the fifth, yeah, that's a great hole. It was just for, again, we we're playing off the whites as well. So I think it was yeah, it was three wood. Yeah, I had about seventy eight or something in eighty meters in, and and hit it yeah. like I think it landed at maybe sixty. 63 yep. or something and ended up about six foot right. So yeah, it was, yep. it was, um, it's such different golf, but what a place. Yep. So mate, talk, talk us through that. Um, I mean, so you had your hole in one on 13, which is a, a again, a, a beautiful, I mean, all the par threes around Royal are, are stunning, but uh, you know, a, a relatively short par three with a very, very narrow opening. So when you're talking about having the greens as firm as they are, and you've probably got to land it near the front of the green for the most part, but there's a very narrow opening. Talk to us about, you know, getting to the 13th tee, what had happened a few holes prior, what your mindset was on that 13th tee and, and numbers club, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So look, I, I definitely sort of started a reset um, after the front nine. I was 10 over through the front nine. So it was, um, it was all about, it's just enjoying myself and enjoying my golf. So I had a little bit of a reset, um, played 10 again, just, starting a new round, getting back to, I was hitting the ball actually surprisingly, I was hitting it really well. Like I didn't have any issues with, with ball striking. It was just missing in the wrong areas, missing over the green. 
Um, I think I went through my stats and I'd, I'd averaged like six meters from the flag. So I had 18 footers all day, like in terms yeah. of for pars or, or to get up and down. So it was difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so reset, had a birdie on 10, um, which was the pin was sort of front right, which is a great spot. Um, yeah. And then the next, um, we'll go into towards tw- uh, 11 was probably the wrong club, took driver, tried to cut it around the corner, but the wind was off the right. Um, so again, still hitting it well, hit it great. I just ended up under a tree, the last yeah. tree that could have gone through the fairway there. Yeah. Um, and again, the greens cooked me. Um, yeah. Reset again. I was like, all right, that's fine. We're still one over for this nine. Um, and bomb chief down, down 12, um, down breeze. So I had a flick wedge in there um, and reset, made a good par, hit the wedge well and, and being... Um, knowing that it was a short par three coming up. The funny thing was my mate who invited me there um, from Spring Valley all day just couldn't stop talking about 13. Like, this is my favourite hole in Victoria. He's a pommy. Um, <laughs> favourite hole in Victoria. It's probably my favourite hole in Australia. I love this one. Obviously, the National 7 was the other one, but this is my favourite hole. Oh, man, I can't wait for you to see it. I love it. It's such a good hole. Um, so <laughs> it, it was... Uh, it hates you so much right now. It was now. a very, uh, very icy conversation afterwards. That is, um, it was awesome. And... So yeah, made made a simple par on on twelve, and there, and I don't I, I tend to play first. I tend to play quick. I'll, I'll get up there, and chuck the number, get my club, go through my routine, and and it's a little bit of a blur. I honestly can't think. I can't think too much back to to what I was thinking going into that tee shot. But I know the number was one twenty. Um, I know again, I'd, I'd hit a driver like I think it was three three oh eight or something on the last. So I know that it was a long way downwind because I only normally, normally hit it maybe 270, 275. So it's a lot of wind. Um, so I played it for two clubs. So I've gone um, to an eight iron, which is about a 138, 140 club. And I know being it's going to get kind of high, um, but yeah. the wind above those trees is going to knock it a little bit. So um, and, and straight back to our sort of one of our first lessons was, well, the first time I chatted to you was, to, to not be afraid of going long and, and to add that sort of, you know, three metres to my number. So I was happy to be be long there on that green and, and have a two-part and get away with it because that's where the wide spot was past the flag. Yeah. So, yeah, played played my eight iron. I've been playing a relatively straight shot all day, little fade most of the day. So aimed at the flag and I knew there was a bit of a spot at the back there and if the wind caught it, it would sort of keep it straight um, and, and didn't strike it perfect. Um, but came out with a pretty straight flight, about 10 feet right of the flag. Um, and and the, it was late in the day. It was probably, must have been three holes to play, probably like 3.30. Um, so the, the green was sort of scattered with sort of light and shadow. So it's pitched 10 feet right of the flag, about six feet past, up on a, up on a slope. And it was in sort of a, the front bowl area. Um, and pitched, and then we saw it roll back. Kind of just landed. It didn't actually sort of kick on or anything, it landed and kicked straight up. So it must have it pitched right into the slope. And then we saw it in the light, it ran back down towards towards the hole. Um, and a few of the guys were like, oh, that'll be close, that'll be close. And watched it and then disappeared into the shadows where the flag was. So we couldn't actually see it go in. Um, and everyone kind of went quiet and we sort of looked at it and the other boys just started it and say anything. And I kind of went quiet, went back to my bag. And I was like, that's got to be close. Like that looked really good. But you don't want to get... I don't know the course. I've never played the hole. I don't want to get hyped up and jump around and get down there. It's 10 feet away. Um, yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I got my rangefinder out actually and had a look 
and just sort of see if I could see anything near the hole, see if I could see the ball. Couldn't see a thing, and I was like, oh, did it, like, could it, could it? Like, just but trying so the to anticip- keep... The anticipation was building, though, yeah? Like- yeah, to a point. I was like, it's got to be close. Like, it looked really good. But, again, not knowing the course, and I'd been I, a couple of times earlier in the round, I'd gone, that is mint, and I get up there, and there's a swale in front of the green, I'm 30 feet away. So um, it's it was a tricky one to know. But then I walked up, and we're walking up the left side um, and got to about 30 metres out, I think, and we, I sort of turned back to... Um, back to my mate, and he was walking up sort of the middle because he was in the right bunker. Um, and I sort of looked at him, and I was like, I can't see anything. And he's like, no. And then he goes, no, I can't see anything either because he was looking sort of the other way. Yeah. And um, and still grabbed the putter out, walked up there, just didn't want to look like a fool. And uh, <laughs> and one of the one of my playing partners was in front of me, and he sort of spotted it walking in. And thankfully, um, Charlie grabbed his phone out and started filming on the way up to see if, see if it was in and, and I walked up there and spotted the Pro V sitting in the sitting in the hole. That is sensational, especially with like that. I mean, for me, I obviously never had one and my thoughts of how would I like to have one, you know, that there's always the sort of I'd love to see it go in, but then there's also the wouldn't it be nice to get up there and have that element of sort of that little bit of surprise? So, like, and I saw the video, obviously, because that was that was pretty cool to be able to see you. Was there any chance at all that it had a, it could have gone over the green? Um, no, because we saw it roll back. So the, having it land in that upslope and actually roll back towards the hole, it definitely looked that way. And because of yeah. the way the light was, you could see that it was you had a bit of depth perception because it was only one twenty away, so it was easy enough to get an idea it was definitely coming back towards the hole. Um, But even like, like, good job by um, the boys that I was playing with, but he he saw it in the hole and turned around and didn't, he gave me the poker face, which was great. So he didn't like give it away because he was a good sort of five meters in front of me. Yeah. that's Um, So he turned around and sort of, as he walked past me, I can see on the video, he gives a nod to, to Charlie yeah. and um, and then yeah spotted in there and hands up and it definitely wasn't as like um, you know as in like the videos you see get in get in oh my god like and the way they go and they see it go in but yeah, it was just it was shock and then it was like I can't believe I've done this like so excited like that was the that was the big part and and, it, and looking at it I didn't get like I felt like I got more excited later when I was actually like people were talking to me and I was to, like yeah. reaching out to my friends and people were calling and stuff like that. Cause I'd posted it on Instagram and, and that was when I sort of started to actually take it in. Like it definitely was a delayed sort of yeah. um, realization, I guess, but yeah, it was, it was shock. Like, and in the video, I'm just like, no way. Like how, like I can't like what yeah. the golf course is kicking my ass and golf's just somehow gone. Yeah, why not? At Royal Melbourne, have a have a day out. Why not? So, talk to me about the next couple of holes because I know from that, like, there's I talk about positive tilt and negative tilt. That emotional sort of swings in golf, and so I, I perceive that positive tilt sometimes can be actually more damaging to our performance than the negative tilt. Like, what did you what did you feel over the next few holes from a a mental clarity point of view and emotional control. Like what happened after those next couple of holes? Uh, the, the, probably the best example of me losing my mind is actually I hit the ball off the tee on the next 
Oh, because I was just like on another planet. I was, you know, talking to Charlie and high-fiving him and and taking photos of the hole because I wanted to remember it. I've been taking photos all day and I'm a bit of a content, you know, nutter, but love taking yeah. photos and I was taking shots all day and I was I was building an Instagram story so that I could post it at the end of the day. I didn't want to do it while I was playing, but I was building it as I went around. Yeah. And then for that to happen, I was like, well, I've got to, you know, post the story. So I was taking a couple of photos and got to the next tee and, and a couple of the guys teed off and and then I was like, all right, like reset, let's, you know, finish this good. You've just made an eagle and you made a hole in mine. Let's, let's, you know, it's a simple three wood off the next tee. Yeah. Um, and teed up my hole in one ball and um, hit it dead <laughs> down the middle. Like I, I hit three wood great all day. So I flushed it down the middle and then, that uh, club back in the bag and Charlie just looked at me and he goes, man, I can't believe what's just happened. I was like, I know this is ridiculous. And we walked up to him. He's like, show me the ball, show me the ball. And I was like, Oh shit. And I just pissed myself laughing. Like I was like, Oh no. It was like, like, and one of the other boys had blown it left into the tree. So I was like, she's lucky I didn't do that. So, um, that might've been, you know, it might be a, a call to golf Australia disqualify me, but I picked up the ball and put another one down in the same spot and, and, and put that one in the secure spot in the bag. Um, we won't, we won't yeah, tell anyone. We won't tell anyone, mate. It's no, all no, right. we won't tell anyone. Uh, Stay the three of us. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, again, it felt all right. Like actually, no, sorry. This is this is probably the the more soppy part of the day. But I text the text my wife, and I just wrote in capitals. You won't believe. No, I was like, um, I'll actually pull it up. What did I say? But I was like, um, where is she? It was uh, all in caps. Um, guess what just happened with like 25 exclamation marks. Um, and she wrote what hole in one. And then I sent the photo uh, and I was like, hole in one at Royal Melbourne. And I actually got like a tiny bit emotional there. Like it was great to be able to share it with her. And that's yeah. when it kind of hit me. I was like, well, holy shit. Like I've actually like, it was sharing it with someone away from the golf course and someone who's been on my golf journey and heard all my stupid stories and made, you know, going to sleep thinking about golf and waking up thinking about golf and talking golf all day and working in golf and being I just, love, I just love that when you said to her, you'll never guess what happened, she knew exactly what that meant to you. Like, that is so cool. Um, but I knew I knew there was going to be some sort of brain fog because you can't have that sort of situation occur without it having an impact on some sort of mental clarity and, and, and you know, Luckily for you, you strike one down the middle because, yeah, using your hole in one ball around Royal Melbourne's probably not the smartest move. <laughs> not the best idea. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely, like, after that, my head was kind of, like, I think that, like, obviously there's shock and then there's a bit of adrenaline there's all that kind of stuff. And it, I definitely felt, didn't feel easy or, or clear over the next. I hit a really good four-iron. Like, it was a long hole, just, like, the way it was playing. Even down breeze, I, I hit four-iron into the next, bunker into the, um, bunker on the left, and then, I knifed it over and chipped it on and made a double. Um, and, and again, it was just, I was still euphoric. I was still happy. I was like, this is, you know, I can't believe what's going on. Um, and, and because I text laws a couple of times, but I kind of put the phone away and just reset, started talking to Charlie and, and the next was a part three. So it was like, you know, what do we do here? And I, I heard a famous story in the pro shop afterwards was someone did that. And then um, they pulled out their hole in one ball. Like, like they played it on 13, made a hole in one. Then they, you know, wipe the next and their teammate that were playing a team game said, um, said, come on, mate, you've done nothing all day. So he pulls out the hole in one ball and then hold it again on wow. 16. Oh, sorry, on um, 15. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, sorry, yeah, 16. 16. And um, crazy. I was like, what is that? So the next, yeah, the next being the 15th, I was kind of, I was just, 
I was just playing the shots mindlessly. There was definitely no clarity. I was, I didn't have, um, I was still, I could still do my routine, but there was just like, it was, the head was off. It was, it was in other areas. It was thinking about what's just happened, what's going on. And and even with the the glove on glove off theory, there was nothing done on there. It was, it was just, holy shit, you just made a hole in one. So um, yeah, made a good par on the, on the par four and then to the next par three made a made a par three again so it was it was a decent finish i finished um so you yeah, doubled the next that's pretty standard obviously <laughs> um and then uh hit a great tee shot on 17 and i was in the left rough yeah. lost ball i like, couldn't find it between the yeah. tee box and the and the fairway like i hit it great it was under the wind it was where i wanted to hit it i just pulled it a fraction and yeah just unlucky lost ball um charlie was in the same spot but he found his and so I just walked that hole and that's when I started posting stuff on Instagram. I was already head off. So I started posting my stuff from earlier in the round to create like, you know, yeah. to keep the story going. I didn't want to ruin the actual like day and be like, okay, like here's the Royal Melbourne photo in the car park and here's the first hole. And then yeah, here's the 13th. Um, so I started posting photos. So I was away from golf from then on. It was, yeah. it was definitely looking at the golf course, but I, um, I wanted to play 18 with, you know, a bit of focus, but I, yeah. I just basically spent the whole of 17 posting some stuff on Instagram and and sharing that. And then, like I said, been hitting driver all day, got to 18, hit it well, and actually topped it off the tee. Just went too hard for it. I got 500 yards of fairway down there between the two holes, like ridiculous. Yeah. And yeah. my memory of that hole was, was Tiger on the last day, on the Sunday, I was on the fairway there under the hospitality. Yeah. Yeah. And he put it to like maybe four metres from where I was. Yeah, it was really impressive to see him play that hole, and, and I, that's a memory burnt in, burnt into my brain of, of seeing him within you know four meters of him and feeling his strike through the through the ground there is unbelievable. And yeah. I remember that hole and I ended up yeah topping it left it or nearly green. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that you know by the time you get to eighteen on the east and there's so many memories that you can conjure up of Australian golf. And just standing on there, you know, I've played it with the stands there on the right-hand side. You've got the clubhouse in the back. I've played it without the stands. And it's just it's such an iconic finishing hole in Australian golf. And when you get to stand there and, and hit those sorts of shots and, and be exactly what you, do, what you did there, you know, stand in positions where Tiger Woods has hit and from and, and all these other great moments in Australian golf, uh, it is, you know, it's not an easy hole, but it is it is wide off the tee there. You can, and you just want to give it a rip and just absolute hammer the bejesus out of it it's just a great way to finish and a great sort of vision in your mind to finish that round at an iconic course i i love that hole for for those reasons yeah it was uh it was crazy i mean i was pretty keen to hear what happened on 18 because you spend 17 you know uploading the story and your mind's so far from from being present and playing golf and you're probably emotionally too starting to get pretty high and then you've got to reset and hit a driver, um, so no, no surprise you went a bit hard at it. But um, I think Roscoe, one of the things that that Brenton spoke about before we even we went live was he made a comment about he wasn't really sure about how much of this stuff he was using, and then um, he was sort of chatting to a mate, and then he started to realise that he actually is using a lot of this stuff. It's just not so much at a conscious level anymore. It's probably more at that autonomous subconscious level, which is when we talk about the four stages of learning of the the first stage being that um, unconscious incompetent, not knowing, you know, that you're not very good at something to now in part being 
unconsciously competent where you're not really consciously thinking about something, but you are very good at it. Um, I think for me, that just shows the consistency and the discipline um, that Brenton's gone, you know, committing to some of these processes over the last few months and, and now for it to be more of an autonomous um, at an, an autonomous stage is, is fantastic. So um, it, it does feel like I'm just scratching the surface. It really does. I, I mean, the notes that I've got, I'm using the first two of 30 notes that I took. Like, I feel like yeah. I'm so new to this and I am, but I, I, think, I feel like there's so much more room to grow and I'm just scratching the surface. And, and like you said, on the, like on AT&T, that, that gave me again, like looking at it now, but it gave me a good kick in the ass. It was, it wasn't a competitive round of golf. It wasn't a tournament. I wasn't on my yeah. phone during monthly medal or whatever, but it was, it gave me a realization that if your mind goes away from golf, like it doesn't matter that you hit probably five of the best drives you've ever hit on a tight golf course, yeah. you got to 18, you're on your phone and and you've topped it a hundred meters. Yeah. Um, I will put a caveat. I still made par, but um, <laughs> it was, uh, it was a good way to finish, but it, it gave me a kick in the ass to go, look, the things you're doing are working. The things you're doing uh, are making sense. And there's so much more room to grow. The, your golf can be so much better. Your your mental game is so much better, even if it doesn't make your golf better. Um, but the, the things I'm doing are working because when I wasn't doing it and when I was away from golf, when I was on my phone and not concentrating, you hit the worst shot of the day. Yeah. No, that's awesome to hear, mate. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just for, from Roscoe and I, you know, putting these courses together and, and doing this podcast – uh, having these little success stories along the way, uh, um, again, just, you know, that, that's what we do. That's why we do what we do. And that's why we, we put these, these podcasts together and we, we continue to get some, some phenomenal feedback. But, um, you know, for me being a golfer for so long and not having a hole in one, um, you know, I, I just sort of started to think about all the things that it would impact my mind. And as I said to you before, uh, if I had a hole in one, I, whether it was on the second hole or the 17th, I'd probably just walk off and be like, oh, I'm done with today. This is fantastic. So um, so really good to hear, mate. And, and, and look, I think the story of 18T is, is, is a good lesson for all of us that the positive emotion can take us away um, and have just as much of a detrimental impact on our performance as negative emotion. Um, it's just about trying to keep those swings within a perimeter of performance. And um, But... Uh, We'll, we'll let you off this time. I think the event uh, <laughs> certainly warrants and is worthy of you having a brain fog and a brain fart and whatever else you want to call it. It's uh, made a day that you'll never forget. And uh, I don't think I will either. <laughs> and I love the message I got from you, mate. It was, um, it was brilliant. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the little, the little jab. Um, and it was, it was great to hear from everyone. And, and, and I think I'm a, like, and you've, you've, you've experienced this, but I'm pretty, pretty neutral on the golf course. It was uh, almost a foreign experience. I don't get too down. If I make, you know, three triples in a row, I, I put a positive spin. I'm like, cool, score pressure's off. Let's have fun. Let's enjoy the day. I'm, I'm pretty neutral, yeah. pretty optimistic. And to have that, like, yeah, that spike and that heart rate, it was just all over the shop. I, I hadn't experienced anything like it, obviously, just from a hole in one. But even on the opposite side, the negative side, you don't, it's, it's yeah. completely different. It's so hard to play that way. Yeah. yeah. So, that's awesome. So as we get towards the end of this wonderful, wonderful story, and uh, you know, I was blown away when I saw it. And I was so happy for you as well, mate. So um, it was great. But I, I've got a couple of questions. Um, I know what the etiquette is at PK when someone has a hole in one. You know, I was I was there with Dennis Armfield once again, another guest on the podcast, when he had his first hole in one on seventeen South. Uh, I I was one of those guys that ran off like a 
you know, small child, excited child, waving around, jumping up and down. It wasn't my hole, it was his. Uh, witnessed that. Um, also witnessed Shura, you know, a friend of ours, uh, Shura Taft's hole-in-one on uh, 14 North. Uh, recently witnessed a hole-in-one with one of my staff members at uh, Mornington in a charity day on Good Friday. How uh, yeah, good. Now, I believe, you know, maybe another episode, Jamie, manifesting, you know, he, this this young fellow who's he's a bit bit of a different cat, but um, great worker. I reckon he, he has been manifesting a hole-in-one. The previous hole-in-par uh, three at Mornington, uh, he just described this shot. He said, I'm going to play this shot. It's going to land here. It's going to run up by, you know, run up to the hole by the hole. And it did exactly that. We got to the next hole. And I said, mate, and I'd already said, if you got if there's a hole in one out here today, I reckon you're the man. Yeah, I was sort of joke, half joking. We got to yeah. the 16th, you know, the beautiful par three at uh, Mornington where you tee off look, overlooking the harbour, the volcano. He yeah. just saw a similar story, ripped it into the, the tier at the back. It's come down, it's gone into the hole. And I think that's gone in the hole, mate. No, yes, no, yes. It's in the hole. And of course, it was up to me to run up like a small, <laughs> like a small adolescent, you know, jumping up and down and getting the video out. But when we got back to the clubhouse and it was all of yeah, my cohort from all of the Drummond world um, sitting there because it was a charity day, the group of guys from one of the stores are all members at uh, Metro. And they all yelled at me and said, hope you've got your insurance paid, Ross. And I was like, hang on, what's that? Well, what I then learnt was at their course, if you have a hole-in-one, you have to shout the bar. And they have insurance for doing that. Now, at PK, that's unfamiliar to me because they put a couple of bottles of scotch on there and, you know, Jack and Jim and Jill come up and go, hey, good on you, and they take a nip of the scotch and off they go and they slap you on the back. What happens at Royal Melbourne? Yeah, so I I asked that exact question and and being first time ever doing it and playing with a couple of members and and I played with uh, Michael who was 82 years old, playing off 17, he'd been playing off nine three years earlier, which blew my mind. He'd played golf everywhere pine valleys five cypress point like 107 golf course in the uk like an absolute legend of golf like he'd played so much and i was like what do, what do we do here and he's like because i don't know i haven't had one here but he told me the metro story and and he um he goes i was actually talking to a member on the putting green on walking off 18 and they said because it's a guest it's the host shout and <laughs> and he said this isn't happening and um and, and, but it turns out he told me that story after i actually uh i went to the pro shop submitted the card told the guys in there i said what's the process what is there a is there a tradition here what do we do and he said look there's not um there's nothing for for a guest but the members um the members go to the bar the members buy a bottle of scotch um sorry i buy a bottle of scotch if i was a member the member who had the hole in one buys a bottle of scotch for everyone else to drink. They sit out there, they put a sign out and put the glasses out. And then all the people who are in the bar um, sort of come by and give you a cheers or, or a handshake or whatever and um, and say congratulations. But that's not expected from a guest. So I went into the bar and, and bought a drink myself and, and I told the guy behind the bar, I said, hey, I've had a hole in one. I'm, I'm, I want to buy a bottle of scotch. Can you come and see me? And so they said, yeah, we'll have someone come out. So a lovely lady came out took my name and actually made the site and that name and hole and all that kind of stuff and, and say congratulations. And she goes, and, and again, you don't have to do this. She said it like four times. You don't have to do this. It's a member's thing. Like, and I was like, no, nah, I'm happy to, here's the card. Like, yeah. and then in this inside, I was like, 
I, just, I handed the card. I was like, I'm at Royal Melbourne. This could be like a $300 bottle of scotch. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even check. She's just like, took the card. And I was like, oh, God. Um, and and it was amazing. They came out. They, like, presented the box of the scotch and all that kind of stuff and said congratulations and took it in. And, and then they came out. And they said, yeah, the sign's there. So, yeah, that was the tradition. Again, as a guest, there wasn't anything. But, um, yeah, bought a bottle of scotch for the guys there. And, and they didn't stitch me with the top shelf stuff, which was lovely of them. Um, for a non-member and, uh, and yeah, there was a few, there was probably only, cause it was late on a Sunday. There was probably only 20 or 30 people there. So I went around to the tables and, and said, Hey guys, go and have a scotch on me. And, and the members were very, very appreciative and, and, and generous in their, their congratulations. What did, awesome. uh, what was the fair mate? What did they, what did you buy? Uh, it was a Glen Levitt. Uh, I'll have to go and have a look at it. I think it was like 80, 90 bucks or something like that. So Keep very the affordable, uh, very, um, you know, lovely of them, and and it was a, a small price to pay for a hole in one. Did you keep the bottle? No, because there was only like there was only a, about a third of a trunk by the time I left, and there were still members there enjoying it. So I uh, I let them keep it and, and enjoy it. Mate, it, you would have been totally fine if you just said just whack that on on uh, the uh, house account for Glazier. Just whack it on there. Just put <laughs> just it on whack there. Whack it on there. Would have been fine, mate. <laughs> Would have covered that. Would have covered that. Just put it on Glazier's. Twelve year, twelve year Glen uh, Glen Livet uh, was uh, was a nice drop. So um, no, nah, mate. Look, that's I saw the sign and 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 I know the members they they are all you know golf nuts, golf traditionalists. So they uh, yeah they'll come over and have a little nip and and celebrate your uh, your achievements. So mate, it's. Uh, it's awesome. yeah, I just got to commemorate it. Uh, Tom in the pro shop was a generous guy and he showed me a couple of frames and things like that to get done. I definitely won't be putting the scorecard in there because it was solid 84, but I'll, uh, I'll be chucking in the, uh, the lovely photo from from yeah. the guys there and, and the ball and, and that kind of stuff. So looking forward to that. That's awesome, mate. Fantastic. Well, excellent, excellent story. Excellent work. Uh, Jamie, just in, in wrapping up, you know, we were down at, uh, well, I was down at uh, PK on Sunday for the, Division One pennant final, and there was yeah. we saw Keely. I saw Keely down there. She had a win, which was great. Um, congratulations to you, Keely. Very interesting to see the top flight of Melbourne golf playing golf at uh, our home course, and some of the challenges yeah. that they faced. I watched yeah. um, a number of the guys hit off the first hole, and mm-hmm. they were left of the bunker on one. Six, right. at least six of the players left on the bunker one, so that made me feel a little bit more comfortable with the amount of times that I've been up le- up there left. But you know, yeah. clearly under pressure, a big yeah. occasion, a lot of people down there at Peacock was fantastic. Um, yeah. And but but what I wanted to point out was um, uh, a lot of people came up to me and you know not members but people that recognised us from doing this and said thanks for doing the podcast. Uh, and there's a one of the Commonwealth players, I forget the young man's name, and I apologise because he will be listening. Um, he just lost the final. You know, they'd just been, you know, had the ceremony. Came up to me and said, "I just want to say I really appreciate uh, the podcast and all the work that you do with Jamie and bringing that to us because I listen to it all the time." And uh, it was really, right. it was really, really nice to hear that. So I thank you to everyone that came up and gave us a bit of feedback about listening to the podcast on the weekend down there at PK at the Division One uh, final. Uh, the place looked fantastic, and it was, um, it was really nice. Anyway. Just thought I'd, cool. I just thought I'd end it and give you that bit of feedback on the podcast. And uh, no, it's good to good. hear, mate. No, good to hear. I uh, I get a lot of feedback as well, and uh, no, really, uh, really happy that we're helping people enjoy their golf game um, and uh, obviously reducing their handicap at the same time. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I can't recommend it enough. Everyone who's listening who hasn't attacked the courses, but yeah, the pre-shot routine's been the last one I've done, and 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 I'll be doing it two or three times, but definitely go back over the notes. But 
I'll be telling everyone it's it's been amazing for my golf and even just not nothing to do with score as well, but it, that's a bonus. But it's it's been a more enjoyable experience and and I'm having a great time. Thank you. That is awesome. the benefit of it. It stays live. You know, you don't do it once and then that's it gone. You're relying on your notes. You you can go back and return and look at the videos and you can do that every time. Brenton Ford, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. It's great to see thank you right. again and uh, really do appreciate it. Jamie Glazier. Roscoe, thank you. And thank you, Brenton. You have inspired me to get more golf under my belt this year and to try and join the club. So that is my mission for 2021. Thank you very much for that. And uh, I look forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, boys. Thanks for having me. We'll see you next time on the Mentor Mastery Golf Podcast. Jump over to Insight Golf Academy if you do want to see anything about these uh, courses. The link's in the show notes there. You can click on there and, uh, and get involved. We'd love to see you over there. But thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.